So, who hasn't been here before? Just a quick hands up. You've been here, liar. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome, new faces, that's good. Um, all right, so I like to do a quick recap every single week so that you guys get the whole big idea and it'll be so ingrained into your brains that you literally cannot forget it for the rest of your life. Someone be like, when you're 80, you'd be like, what, what'd you learn at teaching school? Oh, we learned da 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 da. And you'd be like, see, Nate did his job well. Repetition, repetition, right? Just keep on repeating until you get it. Um, so, yeah, it's all about knowing God. It's all about knowing God. The highest point of life, everything you should be chasing after is knowing God. Don't chase after making disciples. Don't chase after um, building a church. Don't chase after healing. Don't chase, chase after joy in yourself. Chase after knowing Him and you'll get all those things. Guarantee it. That's how He designed it. That's how it is. It's how, it's how it will always be. Knowing God is the absolute highest point, pinnacle of your entire life. It's what you were created for. Knowing Him. There is nothing higher than that. You can never reach the end of it. You'll never get to the point where you're like, yeah, I know God. It's just like, no, bro, you don't. Even in eternity, you will never get to the end of Him. He's that deep, rich, far, big, wide, whatever. <laughs> he is amazing and you will find your, your own joy. You'll actually find real, true, deep joy in just knowing Him because in Him you see who you are too. You know what I mean? So... Knowing God's the high, high point of everything, right? So let's, let's try and get to knowing God. Let's try and get there as fast as we can and as best as we can and stay there as long as we can and all that sort of stuff. But stuff comes up, right? If it was that easy, it would just be like, sweet, I know God, done, I'm in. But it's not that easy, is it? You, have, like, you may not know this, but you're in a war. And the war is for, for your joy, for your peace, for who you are. And the enemy is trying to take that from you, but he can't take that from you because... Jesus gifted that to you and it's yours to receive. So things get in the way. Teaching is how we're going to tackle all this stuff down. Once you start seeing the truth, Jesus goes, once you, once you see the truth, know the truth, hold to the truth, the truth will set you free. So even like miracles and amazing teaching and amazing this and amazing that, it doesn't set you free. Only truth can set you free. So even if someone who, for example, is, is raised in a family that's not uplifting them and it's not encouraging them it's not teaching them they don't, they don't have life even if they get saved they will not be set free until they get retrained to think the right way think in terms of in um in the mind of christ think how jesus would think if they don't think that way it doesn't matter what happens because as soon as a lie comes in they'll receive it and they'll think it's them and then they'll they won't be at, even like reading god's word they'll be like i don't believe this or they think they believe it but the truth is they actually believe something else and they're, they're kept in slavery. Does that make sense? So it's actually the lie that keeps you in slavery. And the devil is the father of lies. He's been lying since the beginning. And how many of you know, if, if, if 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? That means that there's a billion other numbers that don't equal 4. So there's many, there's many lies and there's one truth. So it's very specific. It's very narrow. It's very, very, very easy to get pulled into a lie because there's literally billions of them. <laughs> But the truth, walking in the truth, receiving the truth for yourself, will set you free. How do you know the truth? All right, let me just read out this quick sentence that I read out to you on the first teaching night. The goal is to walk intimately in relationship with God through life. Because in that relationship, you have everything you were created for and you find all fulfillment. Who here believes that? But how can you walk with Him if you do not know Him? And how can you know Him unless you come to Him? And how can you have confidence to come to Him unless you know how He sees you? 
And how can you know how he sees you unless you understand what Jesus' finished work means? And how can you enter into his finished work but by faith? And how can you have faith unless you have truth to apply it to? And how can you know that what you're hearing and learning is even true to begin with? So we will start with understanding how we can know the truth through God's absolute word and the revelation of his son so that we can know and walk with him and finally know who we are and what we're here for. That's what we're doing in teaching that. That's why we keep coming back. That's, that's why I keep coming back because we're on that journey knowing God. And it starts with truth. And truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. It's very, very difficult to know truth when you, when you reduce it down to concepts and facts and this person's opinion and well, this interpretation says and the Greek word of this is this. That's overwhelming. That's, you'll never get the end of that maze. Like it, it goes on forever. But you can really easily get to the end of, of Jesus because he's, I mean, not to the end of him, but you can, you can know him because he's just a person like, like you know anyone, like you know your brother, your sister, your mom and your dad, like you can know him. You can see how he thinks in the Gospels. You can see how he speaks, what he does with his time, how he relates to God, how he relates to people in need, how he relates to people who aren't listening to him. That's truth. His life is truth. All right. So we tackled truth and then we moved on to faith and we're kind of sort of in the middle of faith. We've done two weeks on faith. Have you guys been finding it helpful? Good? Yeah. Easy to understand? It's a, it can be complex and controversial. Like... Pretty much all the questions seem to surround topic of faith, healing, miracles, prayer, unanswered, that sort of stuff. Um, does anyone have any questions before we keep moving? <coughs> if you do, throughout the night, you can just shout them out. But um, yeah, seriously, it's an, it's an open environment. Just say whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, not whatever you want, but like, you know, whatever is appropriate. Um, cool. All right, so we've done two weeks on faith. So that's catching you up to where we're up to today. So you guys get where we're at? You get, you get the itinerary. We're at our current destination, wherever that may be. We're going towards knowing God and we've tackled two destinations so far. Truth and faith. Um, awesome. So, on the first teaching night, I told you guys about my testimony, and my journey in my life, a little bit about that. Um, and that's, that's been a really cool story. And so, yeah, just if, if you guys weren't there that night, September 29th, 2015, God changed my life forever. No going back, not faking it. To some extent, I used to fake it because that was like, you, when you grow up in the church, you learn the language, you know how to speak, you know what to say. And even if you don't really feel it, you just gotta say it anyway, because that's what we do, right? <laughs> and I did that. I did that. I went to town on that because I, I, I wanted to please God. And that's how I thought I'd, I would do that, is by, you know, you know what I mean by learning the language? Like you learn how to speak Christian and you know how you fit into the culture. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Like, cultures are going to happen and there's going to be language with every single culture, but it still should be real, right? Like, oh, it still should be real. Like, if you don't feel like going, like, praise God, glorify you, maybe just question that. Why don't you want to do that? That'd be way better than just going along with the crowd because everyone else is doing it and you'd look weird if you didn't. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my life for a while. Um, yeah, and then September 29th, 2015, God changed my life. Um, he showed me who I was. He showed me how I was not seeing myself, how I was not seeing him. He basically showed me that I didn't really, truly believe him at his word. I would read it and I would be like, yeah, but da 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 da, and live my own thing from my own perspective. And I wouldn't really take him on as reality. Like, if God's work and create the universe, right? 
then every single word that comes out of the Bible should be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to see what that means for my life. But we don't. We just kind of read it and we go, and then Jesus said to the leper, da, 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 da. What do you think that means? Well, I think we should mean, means to be nice to our parents. Okay, sweet. Let's, let's go. I don't know. Like sometimes it gets reduced down to that. It's just like minor life improvement. <laughs> like, can I just call it how it is sometimes? It is. <laughs> I've got better things to do than like minorly improve my life once a week. You know what I mean? Like I want true life. I want, if there's something real out there, like real, true, deep life, if that's possible, I got to get it. I don't care how, how it is, but if it's out there, I want it. And so if Jesus is that answer, then I want him to, I want him to show me that what true and real life is. And for so long, I didn't have true and real life. But then I'm really, really, really privileged to say, and it's nothing by what I've done, but he's given me true and real life and I don't have to fake it as much. I mean, actually, I don't have to fake it at all anymore. <laughs> Sorry. This, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Anyway, so part of that story was, so I'm married um, to my wife, Amber. She's not here tonight, but um, I'm going to speak about it. But I would, I would say all this stuff if she was here anyway. So don't be weird about that. Um, yeah, so... I, I like Jesus changed my life, right? Completely, utterly transformed from the inside out, and just joy and peace and all this amazing stuff every single day. It's been awesome. Um, I would get, like, you guys know what the term revelation is? Like, it's not even a Christian term, it's like a normal term, but like, you, like it's like an aha moment. It's like, oh, or like a epiphany, I guess there's another word for it. But like, a revelation is specifically like something's been revealed to you that you didn't see before, but once you get it, you go, oh, my goodness and your mind just like <laughs> dies that's revelation and they're amazing <laughs> i was getting like a revelation a day back then when it was like all fresh i was like oh my gosh this means this and this means this and i was just like the bible was just like popping out of the page i was like my life my life was like changing more and more every single day and i just i couldn't handle it so i'd come home from work after thinking about jesus all day and i'd be like amber da 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 to, like, tell her all about what jesus was teaching me and like what i expected was for her to be like, that's so good. I'm so happy for you. Like, even if I don't really get that, that's fine. But what happened was she would get not just like not happy, but she would get upset. And I was like, oh, this is like, what's going on here? Like, this is literally the best thing of my life. And it's making you upset. Like, I don't, I don't get that. Why, why are you getting upset? And I, I couldn't figure it out for honestly a really long time. And I was like, God, like, what, what is this? Am I doing something wrong? Am I like, am I, is, is the way I'm phrasing it like offensive? Like is, is she comparing herself to me and it's like she's jealous or I just didn't really know what was going on for a long time until I sat down with her brother, my brother-in-law, Brad, he's, he's not here tonight either, but he started talking to me about um, grace and law. And if you guys have ever read the New Testament, um, it says a lot about grace and a lot about law. And I seriously read that stuff so many times back in the day. And I'd be like, what on earth is this talking about? Like, I, I kind of just thought it was talking about the law of Moses. And I was like, but bro, I'm not a Jew. Like, it doesn't, uh, what, what is this? Why did you put three big chapters in the Bible, like, together about the law and grace? Like, like, I don't care. Like, that was cool for them back in the day. But, like, what does it have to do with me? Until I started chatting to Brad and I realized that, 
when I started speaking to Amber, she didn't hear it as look at what God can do for your life. She heard it as look what you should be doing. Can you guys hear the difference? It's actually opposites. <laughs> one brings life, one brings death. So you should start reading about the law in the New Testament. The law actually made sin increase and it brought death. Paul says the, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Talking about the law. The law is actually a really good thing, but it destroys you. Now I'm going to talk about that tonight because so many people live in constant guilt, condemnation, and thinking that they are not good enough. So many of us. And I actually, I, I honestly, I'm not saying I'm fully clear from that either. I battle that stuff every day. And, and it all comes back down to motive. Like, what, what am I doing? When I, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, did I start teaching night so that I could feel good that I have a ministry and I'm giving back to people? So therefore, it looks like to other people that I'm doing a really good Christian job. <laughs> like, that's twisted. But that's law. Does that make sense? I'm not okay with just being with Jesus. I need to put something else over it to go, um, <laughs> once I do this, then God will be happy with me. Then God will be pleased with me. Then I'll have fill in the blank. That's the law. So we're going to get more into that in just a second. But let me bring up a few examples because I feel like examples, when you hit on them, people are like, yeah, I, I do that. And it really, yeah, it's just good. Um, all right. Here's an example. Oh, wait, first of all, the reason I bring this up in the middle of faith is because last week I told you I was going to preach pretty strong and pretty harsh. And that's a good thing. And you need to do that sometimes because people don't hear it and don't take it seriously otherwise. But what can happen when you preach really strong is people feel like, oh crap, I'm not doing that. And then condemnation comes in. And then every time you hear faith from now on, you go, oh, shut off, get on Snapchat. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to hear about it because it's too... It's too much for you. It's overwhelming you. And you know that you can't do it and you just feel guilty. And so that's why I'm interrupting faith right now with law and grace and condemnation and all that sort of stuff. Because I know, I've seen how people react. When you preach strong, they get, they either go, yes, come on. And they just go, yes, I want this. And they go after it or they go, crap, I'm not doing that. Ah, I'm so crap, why do I keep, ah, and they start beating themselves up. It's just like, man, you can't live like that. Did Jesus live like that? No, then what did he have that we don't? Well, he had a perspective on what he had to do. Sorry, on, on not what he had to do, but wh who he was. We'll get into that. All right, examples. All right, imagine you're at worship night or teaching night or wherever, and someone's at the front and they're sharing a testimony. And they're like, I was at, you know, I was at Woolworths and like I saw this lady and she had like a, she was in a wheelchair and I prayed for her and she got up and she started running. And, and like, and then, yeah, and everyone just goes, yeah, bro, so good. And that is amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for those stories. I love those stories. They are incredible. But some people, maybe most people, maybe everyone in the room goes, I've never seen that happen. And then immediately you compare yourself to that person and you go, crap, should I be seeing people get out of wheelchairs? Why haven't I seen people get out of wheelchairs? Da, 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 da. And you start going, oh my gosh, I'm not even Christian. And it's like... <laughs> That's, that's where the thought leads. That's where the thought leads. Any sort of guilt or shame, just like, I'm not a Christian anymore. That's where the devil wants to get you. At a point where you're just like, dude, are you, even, are you even a Christian? Are you even following Jesus? 
You know what I mean? It's like, maybe I'm not because I haven't seen someone get out of wheelchairs. Since when did seeing people get out of wheelchairs save you? You're not gonna get to heaven and, and God goes, how many people did you get out of wheelchairs? And, and you're like, oh, only seven. Seven? I, I gave you ultimate power. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But that, that's where the thought leads. <laughs> Thanks, Cain, for the laughs. Um, all right, here's another one. You're reading the scriptures and then you read something and you've never, ever seen that in your life. And you're like, oh, um, what's an example? I don't know, answered prayer. You read, you read something about um, someone's prayer being answered in, in the Old Testament or something like that. And you go, man, I've never seen that. Guilt, shame, how come you've never seen um, answered prayer? Da, 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 da. Attacking you. Next one. Um, oh, when you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend or husband and a wife and they're going really well with God. That one can bring so much guilt because you start to compare and then you realize that you're not okay by yourself with Jesus. Does that make sense? Like me and Amber went through that actually when we were first married. We both were not good with God, like really quite distant from God. And we kind of a little bit bonded over that. You know what I mean? Because we were both crap. We're just like, yeah, frick church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but then I, I started going better, but then she didn't really feel like she had the same sort of understanding and um, transformation. And so she just started to get condemned and guilty, but I can't, I can't do this. And you get it, it's so much easier for you and you know the Bible, I don't, and da, 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 da. Guilt, condemnation, shame. You guys getting the idea? I'm gonna keep going though, because I want to hit uh, as many of these as I can that actually we go through. Um, oh, they pass the offering around at your church and you don't put any money in. <laughs> oh, I just hit some of you there. It's just like, <laughs> just like, oh, that person just put a 50 in shivers. Like, oh, oh my gosh, I got nothing. Oh. <laughs> Keep passing it on. And devil's like, you didn't even give five, you had five dollars in your wallet, didn't you? You didn't even give that, da 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 da, guilt, shame, condemnation. Um, oh, yeah, so they just keep getting better. <laughs> I was on a roll when I was writing these. When, when someone younger than you is doing more or seeing more of God. Oh man, that one hits home. It's just like, man, dude, you're 16 and you're just like frothing. I'm like 26. I'm just like, I'm 10 years ahead of you. Like, what the heck? It's just like, an age comes into it? The devil will even use age as a thing to be like, dude, you're, you're X amount of years now. <laughs> you're X amount of years, you should have seen Y amount of miracles. It's like, dude, where did that come from? Um, hell, that's where it came from. Um, <laughs> oh, here's a good one. <laughs> you pray for someone, nothing happens, then someone else walks up, they pay for them and they get healed. <laughs> How come they couldn't be healed through you, bro? I thought, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you had the Holy Spirit. Come on. Don't you follow Jesus? Don't you even believe in Jesus? This guy does, clearly. Guilt, shame, condemnation. You can't live like that. Anyone relate to those thoughts? All those thoughts? I do. <laughs> so good. All right. No, it's good because I'm hitting on them and we're going to destroy them because they do not belong in your life. Not even a shred of any guilt or any shame or any condemnation should ever be in any of your lives. Ever, 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 ever. Because there is no condemnation in Jesus. Romans 8.1. Write that down if you're writing notes. There is no condemnation in Jesus. I'm going to show you why. Um, Alright, point number one. It's not really points now, they're more just like titles, but point number one is the law. Um, okay, so if you read the Bible, 
and you're a bit confused what the law is when like Paul brings up the law and a lot, it's a lot in the, in the New Testament. Um, it's in Romans, it's in Galatians, it's in tons of different books. Um, if you're confused what it is, I'll try and break it down for you as simply as I possibly can because there's a lot on it. And if you start like reading all of it, it's like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Because I actually get kind of overwhelmed with it re reading it as well. Um, the law is, it's simply just one way of relating to God. It's one way of relating to God in a master-slave relationship. Does that make sense? So we live in friendship because of Jesus. But the law is one, it's simply, it's one way of relating to God in a master-slave relationship. God sent, gives you these commands and goes, you got to do them or you're not right with me, which was how it was in the Old Testament. So basically what happened was, let's, let's get into it a little bit. Um, so God saves his people from Egypt. They're in like hectic, chronic slavery, like the worst Pharaoh ever. Like there was like a really good Pharaoh and the next Pharaoh was just like so bad. He just like, like put all the Israelites in slavery and was just like, he thought he was God. Like he literally thought he was God. And he was probably the most powerful man on the earth at the time. So that's probably why he thought he was God. But he enslaved the Israelites so chronically, so badly. After like a few hundred years, um, God enters in with, through Moses and set, you guys know the story, right? Saves the Israelites from Egypt, from under this tyranny, from this horrible, evil person. Um, he pulls them out of uh, Egypt and he gives them their own land. Before he does that, he says, if you guys are going to be relating to me, I got to give you some rules. I got to tell you how it's got to be if you guys want to be my people. And he gives them, I think it's 636 commands. And it's like, they're mostly do not do's, but some of them are do's. Does that make sense? 636, let's just say it's around there. I don't come up with the exact number. 636 commands of like things that you should do and you should not do. Pretty hectic list. But what's important here is that, okay, what came first? The law or God saving them? God saving them. That's so important. Please write that down if you're writing notes. God saved them first and then he gave them the law, which is a prophetic New Testament image that you don't do anything to get saved through Jesus. If he gave them the law and said, if you do well at this, you know, if you get a, if you get a pass, I'll save you out of Egypt. He didn't do that. He just went ahead and he just saved them that was it. And then he goes, okay, you guys want to relate to me? Here's the law. Da, 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 da. Um, you'll see that also in the New Testament. I've said this before, but Paul in his letters, he'll write usually the, the first half of the book is pure theology. Jesus did this. He now sees you like this. Your sins have been destroyed. Da, 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 da. Theology, right? The last half of his letters are... So obey your parents. So don't go to sleep angry. So um, love your neighbor. You know, very practical stuff. If you switch those two, you get religion. So you have to keep them in the right order. God saves first. He makes you who you are first. And then he goes, and this is what that looks like. But if you switch those two, you'll try and earn who you are by doing what he said. 
and obeying him. Obeying him is good, but you don't obey him out of, I'm trying to please him. <laughs> you are pleasing to him by walking with him through faith. Does that make sense? You cannot please God without faith. So walking with him through faith, listening to him, receiving his word, that's how you please him. You don't please him by going, God, you gave me these um, 10 commands in, in the book of Matthew and I did them all today. It's like, that's great, but why did you do that? See, he really cares about why you do things. It's actually less important than the what, to be honest. God cares about the heart, the motive and the position of your heart. Why do you do what you do? Because, okay, take me as an example again. I'm up here doing teaching night. To you, it looks the exact same, but my heart could be in one of two places. I'm doing this for affirmation from you guys. I'm doing this so I feel like I'm more pleasing to God. I'm doing this because of da 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 You wouldn't be able to tell, but I know in my heart if I'm doing it for the right reason. Or am I doing it because he has made me a son and I want to follow Jesus and I'm just chasing after him and I feel like he'd started teaching that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So different. Complete opposites, actually. All right. Let's keep moving. Um, yeah. God. Mm. Um, so whatever I do, like God loves me just as much as he would today or tomorrow. So like his love never changes for me. But if my faith pleases God, does mm. that mean my lack of faith doesn't please him? Like, um, and obviously he wants me to have an expansion of faith. Yeah. So faith is from him. Yeah. So how does he feel when I'm lacking faith and I'm going to him and I'm still going like, God, I want more faith. Like, sorry, I'm, I'm not wording it right. But okay. um, like, if faith pleases God, does that mean that he's not as pleased with me if I'm lacking faith? Um, for that question, make a really big distinction in your mind between pleasing God and being loved by God. Because you will never ever be separated from his love. God loves you to the most maximum extreme. But you can actually live in a manner that's unpleasing to him. And that is walking outside of faith. So let's say that you're a Christian and you're doing best with your life. Then you get, like I brought up last week, you get to the topic of finances. And you just have zero trust for God in that area. You are not pleasing to God in the area of finances. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. You know what I mean? It's a bit, but that doesn't mean you're separated from his love. Like you're so loved, you, you cannot be separated from his love. And you're not separated from his grace. He still has favor over your life. He's still connected to you. He still wants you. But he wants you to walk in faith in all areas of your life. Yeah, right. Trusting in him. Yeah. You know what? Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. If, does that mean if I'm walking in faith in every area of my life, he's more pleased with me? Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, could I? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a... Um, he's pleased because that's what he made you for. Not yeah. pleased is like, yeah, if he loves you more or not. But it's like, mm. he made you for that, so he's happy that you're living like that. Rather than, he's like, oh, and like, yeah, though, that you're not living the way that you could be living if you're not living in the Yeah. Mm. And it's also a heart, a heart connection too. You know, if your heart is aiming for pleasing God, mm. but you still don't in one area, yeah. your heart is, he sees your heart mm. first. Yeah, right. So with faith, is that simply receiving, like surrendering to God and receiving faith? Because it's like, that's why I'm getting, I, it's yeah. not, like we can't work. It, yeah. 
millimeter. Yeah, th this is where it gets a little bit confusing for people. Um, yeah, so I, I personally think faith is the lack of works. You know what I mean? So it doesn't mean you're not going to go out and do works, but works is when you're trying to do something to be right with God. Yeah. So that's works, right? And that's, that's not good. That's not any part of you. But walking in faith will produce works. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you fix your eyes on Him and you walk and trust in Him. You will, want, you will have, on, honestly, on your on own heart, and I'm sure you felt this, desires to do the things that He would want you to do. Yeah. But it's, see, it's the reason why you're doing it. See, is it, a good, is it a good thing to go and love someone at teaching night tonight? Totally. But are you doing that because, oh, I'm a Christian, I should, last week I didn't, da 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 You know what I mean? Mm. That's works. Yeah. But if I, if I love someone tonight and just bless them and just listen to them talk and just pray for them and whatever, if I do that because God loved me and I just have love for them, I just, want to, I just, I just really want to see them just flourish in their life. See, that's beautiful and that's God. Because it's walking in faith through Him. It's like, I'm trusting in you, God. I'm not doing it to try and, I don't know, you get, you get, try, try and break away from the idea of I'm trying to please Him yeah. and realize that by just submitting to Him, you are pleasing to Him. Because then He can f fully work through you. Yeah. I'll just quickly read out this um, verse. Maybe, this is, can I just, yeah? I'm sorry, I can't hear well, so if we interrupt. Oh, that's okay. okay. I was just thinking of a parent and a child. So if your child does something the parent doesn't like, the action isn't pleasing to the parent. It doesn't change the essence of the parent yes. loving the child at all. So your lack of faith with God, you're the same. No matter if you have no faith, 100% faith, your essence with God is still the same. The action Perfect. is not pleased with. Just like you wouldn't please with your son if he keeps writing crayons all over the wall. <laughs> and Justin. So, but the parent, <laughs> just like God, is going to work with you. Yeah. So it's not like, well, that, that area is out of my realm. Yeah. The parent would work don't scribble on the wall. Exactly. So, so God will work with you in relationship for your lack of faith to grow you in that faith. Come so, on. So it's just an ongoing relationship, <laughs> even if you're lacking faith in one area. It's fine that you're lacking yeah. faith. But God wants to parent you. So mm -hmm. that lack, he will awesome. grow if you work with him to say, I lack faith in this area. I don't, so good. faith comes from trust. Yeah. I don't trust you, God, with my finances. That's great. I mean, it's, you're being honest, so he'll say, well, let's work on you to trust me. Mm. So, I don't know if that helps. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. Yeah. I, I find that what Lois just did then, going, okay, I'm, trying, I'm struggling to understand how God views this. You go, okay, God's a father, I'm a son. How would I do it if I had a son? Or let's say I, my father was doing this. It explains so much. You're like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> it's like, God, you, you're amazing. I get you now. That's awesome. So good. Also realize, even if there's areas where we don't have faith or we're not 100% in faith, realize God still rejoices in the faith that you do have. Yeah. So it may you may not have 100% area in the area of finance, mm. but He still rejoices in any level of faith that you do have. Yeah. And it's not a work thing trying to get more. It's just a submitting to Him and learning how good He is. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Thanks, bro. Thank you so much. Cool. Awesome. Let's keep moving. Um, I was going to read that verse, but I was like, actually, I'll just say it later. Um, so it's, not, it's not that appropriate. I thought it was more appropriate. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So, the law, it was given to us back in the day for two reasons. It was a good thing, first of all. The law is a good and holy thing. Doing the commands of God, walking out, love one another. That's a really good thing, right? 
but it's, it's, always, it's always about motive and why you're doing it, right? So God gave us the law for two reasons that I can see in the Word. Um, first of all, it was designed to guide you into fullness of life. Definitely. Like D David says in his Psalms, he's like lying on his bed and he's like, I, what does he say? It's like your, your law is like honey to me. It's like so sweet. I love it because it guides me into life because he was someone who was just surrendered to God. And so the more he could get of the law, the better because he was just like, I just want more of you, God. But if you're not in any area of your life, the law is so condemning and it's really harsh and it's a slave driver because it's like, you should be, you should be, you should be. And you live your whole life in guilt and should be's. You know what I'm saying? So that was the first thing. It was designed to guide you into life. Second thing is, it was also supposed to tutor you to the fact that you cannot be saved by your own works. That's, it was like, like a tutor, right? Like a math tutor sitting you down, walking you through. See, see how you see this? Da -da -da -da, explaining all the um, explanations behind theories and stuff. The law is the same thing. See, see how far you are from God? See how you can't do it? See how much you try? See how much you really wanted to um, be good with God, but you just can't do it on yourself, on your own? That's a really good thing to be taught that. It's like, because you know why? Because it actually gets you out of yourself and you go, God, I actually can't do this myself. And he's like, perfect, I can work with that person. But the person who goes, I'm doing this myself, like the Pharisees did. I will tick off every part of the law. I will tithe even my herbs, which is literally what they did. They would get 10% of their herbs and give it to the church or to people or whatever. Like that's like, come on, <laughs> like that's not God. Like. How on earth could we think that there's a God in the universe who just wants you to give 10% of your herbs each week? Like that's madness. Following the law like that is madness. Like, and you can't do it either. <laughs> it says in the law, if you break one part of the law, you break the whole thing. You break the whole thing in one go. The idea is that you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. And maybe you guys have tried to be Christian. You've tried to stop this. You tried to stop that. You tried to start going to church. Try to stop looking at porn. Try to stop... Um, going out, getting drunk, try to, you can't do it, right? You literally can't do it. That's a good place to be when you go, I can't do it. That's exactly where God was trying to lead you to. And ben, how you, how, you, how you mentioned that to me a few months ago, you were like, dude, I can't stop, like, I can't stop my sin. And I was like, bro, you gotta realize you're freed from the law and that you're a righteous tree. And that's when you start producing righteous fruit. And then Ben said to me a few months later, he's like, dude, like, I, I've not heard any teaching on, is it cool if I share this, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like assuming. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> he goes, I've not heard any teaching on don't do drugs. I've not heard any teaching on don't go out and get drunk. I've not heard any teaching on whatever, but I don't want to do it anymore. See, that's where God's leading you. Not to the law being like, don't do drugs. Don't go out on the weekend. Get high. Don't go out and get drunk. Don't spend all your money on this. Don't look upon. Don't do that. It's just, you're back in the law again. And the law brings condemnation. But there is no condemnation in Jesus because he you relate to him now instead of through the law, but by grace. But we'll get into that. I'm jumping ahead too far. Sorry. <laughs> um, is that making sense? Yeah. Is that, yeah? Can you see how it relates actually to your life? It's not just the Jews back 3,000 years ago. See how the law is very much a real thing today if you let it be? Does that make sense? There's no, there's no reason for Paul to write all these things about the law in the New Testament if it had no relevance to people 100 years later. <laughs> God's smarter than that. <laughs> he didn't fill his Bible with stuff that's not relevant to you. All of it is. You just got to see it in terms of your life today. All right, let's keep moving. Um, yeah, so the law, it also says about 
the law in the New Testament, the law, when it came in, it actually increased sin, which is a weird thing for it to say, but that's what it says. And I, I was confounded by that for a long time. It actually made people sin more. And I was like, God, your, your plan's not really working here back in the Old Testament. But I think what that means is, and I am not 100% sold on this, but I'm pretty sold on it. So I'm going to give it to you with that disclaimer that go look it up for yourselves and ask Jesus if this is right. Um, I think you cannot sin on accident. Ever. Sin is a willful, evil thing. You knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway. Don't eat of the fruit or you will die. Eat the fruit. That's sin. You know what I mean? So, when the law came in, this is what Paul says in Romans 7. We'll read it in a second. He says, if the law didn't tell me not to covet, then I wouldn't have been aroused to covet in the first place. So, what, that, what I think that means is he was already living in a life of covetousness, which means envy. He was jealous of what other people had in their lives. Maybe they were better at tithing herbs because he was a Pharisee. You know what I mean? He was just like jealous of <laughs> all, all these different things, right? He goes, but if the law didn't tell me not to do that, I wouldn't know that I was doing something wrong in the first place. So the law came in and, and then you go, oh crap, covetousness is wrong. And, then, and if you do it anyway, now you've actually sinned. Whereas before you were in ignorance, you didn't know that, you had no idea that it was wrong. So I'm not 100%, 100% on that. I'm like 98% because I've seen a lot of fruit from that in my life. There's just a few things in the Bible I'm just still trying to figure out about that. Does that make sense? I'm just going to give that as a disclaimer. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, you can't sin by accident. And uh, something coming in saying, don't go out and get drunk on the weekend. The second you knew, I, I didn't know that was wrong until I was like 18 or 19. No one ever told me that in church. And then as soon as someone told me that, I was like, oh crap, okay. Um, that's a whole part of my life I now feel crap about. You know what I mean? Anyway, you guys get the point. Um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so modern day context. I just told you about Moses' law, right? The Old Testament law. But that has literally nothing to do with our lives today. So what, how can I bring this into modern day context? The law is, in a sentence, if you want to write this down, the law is anything that you add on top of Jesus in order to be right with, him, with God. Anything. Church attendance could be one. All of my kids being saved could be one. <laughs> Praying every night could be one. Anything. Anything that you go, unless I'm doing that, I'm definitely not a Christian. I'm definitely not saved. God's definitely not pleased with me. Any single thing. Now, are you up to that part yet? Yeah, I'm just going to go there. Okay. All right, how about write this down? I got this from someone else, but I like it. Jesus plus anything ruins everything. Jesus plus anything ruins everything. So if you add anything to your faith in order that you might be right with God and pleasing to God, you have ruined everything and Christ died for nothing. Because you're saying that the blood of Jesus isn't quite enough to cover you, but you actually have to be giving to the poor on weekends as well. But you actually have to be making sure that you lead youth group on Friday nights. Do you get the idea? If you live that way, you nullify everything Jesus did. That's what the Bible says. If righteousness comes from the law, Christ died for nothing. Like if you could actually get right by doing things for God, even if you're adding to Jesus' blood, you go, yeah, Jesus' blood, yeah. But also I have to make sure I da-da-da-da-da. 
you've nullified the whole thing. And the Bible goes on to say, you've fallen away from grace because now you're doing it on your own merits. That's the law. Can you see how relevant that is to every single day? It's like, <laughs> does anyone feel like that's a common daily thing for them? It's just like, man, I'm so like, I need to be, make sure I'm doing da, 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 da. like any, put anything in there. I didn't pray today. Crap. <laughs> I should have given money to church. Why didn't I do that? Shoulds. There are no shoulds. Get rid of should. Get, remove should from your vocabulary. <laughs> Seriously, there are no shoulds. There are only get-tos. There are no have-tos. There are only get-tos from now on. You don't have to go and pray for that person. You get to go and pray for them. You don't have to give money to the church. You get to give money to the church. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. Just keeps going on, right? There are no have-tos. See how much of a relaxing that thing that is? It's like, oh, no more have-tos. Sweet. Because I've been living my life in have-tos. I have to go to church on Sunday night. I go every week. You guys know what I'm saying? <laughs> awesome. All right, flip your Bibles open if you brought them. Don't be condemned if you don't. It's not, it's not a law <laughs> to bring your Bible to teaching night. Romans chapter 7, please. Starting from verse 7. All right, Romans 7, 7. I'm ESV, by the way. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? Is the law bad? Paul's saying, no, by no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not, ha I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came very alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. That, I'm not going to go too much deeper into that, but that kind of clarifies what I'm saying, right? Does that make sense what I just read out? Go read the rest of Romans 7. Even if you guys have the message version on your phone, read that. It's really, like, I find that kind of language a little bit difficult to understand sometimes. The message is like, sin was hiding in the clothes of the law. And it, like, uh, it's just really, like, it's good. <laughs> um, I was going to say something quickly about the message as well, actually. Some people say the message is, like, it's just some guys. Do you guys know what the message is? Most Some of you do. For those of you who don't, it's like, an extreme translation of the Bible into really modern day language to the point where it's basically paraphrasing what the Bible is saying rather than going for word for word translations, right? And I've just heard some people talk about this and I just want to quickly clarify just for anyone out there that likes the message. I think the message is good, but you should read it alongside something else as well because the message can actually give you deeper insight into... Um, into what something's saying because you don't understand the exact words that are translated in the Bible but, and the message actually brings it to life. But don't just read the message. That's probably my position on it. Like read both. Get like the word-for-word the tra translations like the NIV, ESV, all that sort of stuff and then read the message as well. 
I actually just bought Amber a Bible and it's got like one column's NIV, one column's the message, and you can like compare both and it's really cool. Um, highly recommend. Um, and also, the, the New Testament is, there's, so back in the day when they wrote the New Testament, there's two versions of Greek. One was a formal version of Greek and one was a colloquial, easygoing, everyday language. Like, they'd say like lol and stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, speaking our language, right? So that means that when the people back then read it, they will be reading it in everyday terms. So when you read the message in our everyday terms, you actually get a very close picture of what, ex what they would have been experiencing as they were writing it. Does that make sense? Because they, like, they didn't write like, thou hast cometh heareth and beseecheth thee and all that sort of stuff. That's King James, you know what I mean? Like, if you read that, you don't speak that language. It's difficult to relate to it sometimes. Anyway, um, also, I heard this from a friend. I can't verify this, but this is a pretty cool story. Apparently, the guy that translated the message for, for Romans, I think it was chapter 6 to 8 or 5 to 8, he, he apparently had an angelic visitation which told him what to write. And he, <laughs> sounds crazy, he wrote it anyway. And then people, like theologians, started studying what he wrote. And they were like, dude, they probably didn't say dude. But like the way that you explain that is so what the passage is trying to say. So I, and I've read Romans 6 to 8 in the message and it is incredible. Go and read it. It's dominant. Keen. I think the chick wrote the message. No, it's a guy. Eugene Peterson wrote it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that was just a quick, that's not, <laughs> thanks, Jace. Um, cool. Um, I'm almost at the point too. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Time just literally flies every week. Um, just quickly, who here has read the book of Galatians or at least heard of it? Pretty much everyone, I hope. Go read it if you want to know more about the law and grace. Be uh, uh, sorry, law and being connected with God through grace, right? The whole book is written to a church in Galatia. These people became Christians. And then Paul says, you have so quickly departed from the faith. And all they did was, seriously, all they did, the whole book is filled with like really hectic language because Paul is like, you have no idea what you've done. You've thrown everything away. All they did was add back circumcision to the church. That's it. They go, yes, Jesus saves you, but you also have to be circumcised. Paul says, you bring back one commandment in, you bring the whole law back in, you've nullified the death of Jesus. You know what I mean? You've fallen away from grace. You brought back one law. They were like, oh, it's fine, bro. We've been doing it for thousands of years. It's part of our people. Paul's like, you can do it, but don't you dare put it as a requirement for people who are coming to the church. There are no requirements for people who come to the church who want to be saved, except faith in Jesus. That's it. He's so super serious about this. He goes, if anyone preaches to you a different gospel than you've heard from me, even an angel, if an angel comes to you and preaches a different gospel from me, let that angel or that man be accursed. He says it twice. He's not joking. He's very serious. He's like, you have no idea how destructive it is to let just one rule or law in. You guys know what I'm saying? Any, any, any rule, any law that you bring back into your faith saying, I know it's Jesus' blood alone. I know that, but I also have to fill in the blank. You, you will fall away from grace. You will fall away from the favor in, that you have in God by bringing anything back in. There are no requirements. There are no shoulds or have tos. There's just the blood of Jesus and faith in his name. That's it. Let's keep it like that.
I'll quickly read to you a little bit of that um, just to bring that to life. Paul goes, for freedom, guys say freedom. freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom is ours. We should live in freedom. That's what Paul says. <laughs> for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, which means don't move from, what you're, from where you are right now. Stay there. <laughs> And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That's what the law is. Slavery. Bringing any commandment in. Slavery. You're a slave to that law for the rest of your life if you bring that back in. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man. This is Galatians 5, by the way. I forgot to tell you that. Galatians 5, 1 to 5. Um, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Paul's like, if you're, okay, fine. If you're going to accept circumcision, great. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have to keep the whole law because that's what you're doing. You break one part of the law, you break the whole law. You accept one part of the law, you have to accept the whole law. Make sense? Um, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. That's all that matters in your whole life. Faith working through love. Faith working through love. Faith working through love. Highlight that. <laughs> Galatians 5, 6. Only faith working through love. I just love that. So good. Um, all right. That, does that make sense for the law? Anyone have any questions about the law? Sweet. Point number two, grace. <coughs> I won't spend as long as this one, I'm sorry. Um, point number two, grace. Grace is another way of relating to God. <laughs> so law, law was one way. Grace is a new way. Law is, law, law is still a relationship with God. It's just a really crap one. <laughs> it's one where you're constantly living in guilt and you can never actually be pleasing to God. Never be friends with Him, never can know Him. You know what I mean? Grace is, the word grace basically means favor. You have found favor in the eyes of God. And everyone here has found favor in the eyes of God. And you no longer need to do anything to be pleasing to God. You did in the Old Testament, yes. If you screwed up in the Old Testament, something died or you died. That's how it was, law of sin and death. God says, you sin, you die. Wages of sin is death. He was merciful and let, let them kill animals instead, pointing towards Jesus, who was going to be the sacrifice for them. The animals are innocent, right? <laughs> so was Jesus. Anyway, um, I just go off on little tangents like that sometimes. Um, uh, yeah, so grace is, maybe you can write this down as well, grace is how we're connected to God now. Grace is how we're connected to God. This is what Brad was explaining to me when he sat me down and showed me all this stuff that God was teaching him. Actually, let's go there right now. Romans 7 again. This time from verse 1. Um, Romans 7, 1. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? 
And he goes, if you guys find this language confusing, he goes into an analogy of marriage here, which I feel like it's much easier to understand. <laughs> so verse two, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members, in our bodies, to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So what it's saying is there was, is that you used to be, it, it, this is the reason it goes into marriage here for a second. It goes, you used to be married to sin. And what kept you married to sin, that is you were like basically one flesh with sin because you had a sinful nature. You were married to sin and what kept you to sin was the law. Paul goes, while someone is alive, the law is, is effective on that person, right? But as that person dies, the law doesn't hold them anymore. So the thing is, what you're gonna understand is, you died when you came to Jesus. You died, your old man died, that's what baptism symbolizes. Go into the water, old man dies, come up, new man lives, live a new life in Jesus. You died, <laughs> so you're freed from the law, it doesn't bind you any longer, but now you belong to a new one. And who you belong to is God. And what ties you to Him is grace. So maybe you can even draw that if you guys are drawing notes. Like, you used to be bound to sin by the law, but now you are bound to God by grace. And the second one's a lot better than the first one, trust me. <laughs> um, does that make sense? Is that, yeah. I'll explain what that means as we keep going. So, So back to, uh, Jazz is not here tonight, is she? No. She asked a question last week and she goes, so what do you do when you mess up? And you guys might be thinking, Nate, if you're saying there's no have to's or there's no, you should be doing this or you remove should from my vocabulary or whatever, what do you make of all the commands in the New Testament after Jesus has come? And that used to drive me crazy. I was like, people would preach at church like, you're freed from the Lord. There's no longer anything you have to do. But then you read the Bible and it goes, but make sure you give money to the, your neighbor or give this man a coat or love this person or pray for this person or whatever. And it's like, dude, that seems exactly the same to me as the Old Testament. What the heck is the difference? Now, the difference is, and I, I really wish someone taught me this like three years ago because I was in a place where I was sinning. I knew I was sinning. I couldn't stop sinning and therefore I lived in continuous condemnation for months and months and months to the point where it got, I was like, I, I know in my heart, even though I was wrong, I know God hates me. I know it because I keep on doing it. I keep on screwing up. I keep on messing up. So therefore I lived in constant guilt, constant condemnation, constant shame that I was never good enough. And even if I wanted to, I still couldn't stop. Can anyone relate to that? You guys know what I'm saying? Um, so here's the difference. This is what I sort of touched on a bit last week, but I'll explain it again. Let's say 
you're walking in life as a Christian, doing your best that you can, and then you have a night where you mess up. You do something you knew was wrong, it was sinful, there's no arguing about it, it just was. Um, what do you do? Because your, your response to that will either cause life or death. For me, I chose one way, it caused death, that my relationship with God was dying, and I felt like it died, but it never did. He never let me go. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> I thought it was dead. I thought it was just like long gone. Um, and that was just from condemnation. See how powerful it is when you let it be a thing in your life? I thought I had to, and I wasn't. Therefore, God was like, oh, I can't believe I'm so mad at you. How come you, you know that's wrong? Da, 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 da. Like you, you, you lead youth boys. <laughs> and you're teaching them not to do stuff, then you go and do that. You are pathetic. That's the devil, man. I, didn't, I thought it was God at the time. That's the devil. I thought God hated me. I thought he was so angry at me, right? So here's what you do. You know who you are. It is the most important life-giving thing I could ever give, a piece of advice I could give to anyone that's going through a stage of, sin or not living up to where they know they could be and they feel constant guilt and shame know who you are because here's what happens if you know you're a son and if you know you're part of the family and if you know nothing can separate you from the love of God and you're in the family of God and then you mess up you don't leave what you know you don't leave the family of God you're not no longer a daughter. You're not no longer a son. You're still a son. And you stepped into something that was not part of who you are and it was wrong. Yes. Acknowledge it. Say, Father, thank you that that is not part of me. That's not in me. Like you destroyed sin in my body. I do not have to submit to sin again. That was not part of me. I know I'm a son. I'm righteous. I'm made whole. I'm clean. I'm holy and blameless. I'm, this is his word, right? This is what he says about us. Know who you are. Know you're a son. Know you're a daughter. And you will not slip into condemnation because that's what the devil goes after. Remember I said before, condemnation always leads to this point of like, oh, you're not even a Christian anymore. See, he goes after who, who you believe yourself to be. So when you mess up, actually, I won't say when, if you mess up, <laughs> it's a big distinction. If you mess up, know who you are and hold on to it. You can grieve over it. You can cry over it and be like, God, I so didn't mean to do that. And you can, you can apologize and repent. But the most important thing is, like, it's not as if God wants you to come and just like beg and beg and like, oh, that's really what pleases him. What pleases him is when you believe him over what you just experienced. Because he says, you're still a son and you're much better than that. You're so, so, so much better than that. Come on, let's go. Picks you up like a father would, right? Back to the father and son analogy. Picks you up. Let's keep walking. Let's keep moving. Yeah, that was wrong. And you're like, God, no, please, you just don't understand. I knew it was wrong and I was a Christian at the time and da-da-da-da-da. And God's like, I know you knew all that. And still, let's keep going. <laughs> what does the father do in the parable of the prodigal son? when the younger son comes home? Does he even mention his sin? Does the son want to mention his sin to his father? Yeah. Yes. He's practicing his speech on the way home. He goes, 
I'm going to get to God and just beg and say, Father, I've sinned and I've I dishonored you and da, 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 da. Please let me be a servant. He humbles, he humbles himself in false humility. That's what I'm going to say. Because God would still say to that son, you're still my son. Come back in the family. Let's kill the fatted calf and have a party. That's what God says when you come home. Not like, bro, I saw what you did last night. You serious? Again? Come on. Three weeks in a row. Are you kidding me? Surely you've learned this by now. That's what we think he thinks. <laughs> what he says, you're a son and you're better than that. You're a daughter and you're so much stronger than that. I know your potential. That's why I'm persevering with you. And I'm going to get that gold out of you and that strength out of you. Because he does not want you to fall into condemnation. Because you will if you don't know who you are. Guarantee it. It's the only other option. Because that's where I was at in my mind. I was like, but I know it was wrong. And I did it anyway. So I have nowhere to go. And I was like, Jesus forgives me. Yeah, but if I do it again, does that mean I was even sorry in the first place? Does that mean I'm even forgiven? I don't think it does. I think it means... And then start, scriptures start coming out at you like, oh, if you continue in sin, you're not saved. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm not even saved. And it's just like, mayhem. You know what I mean? Know who you are. Am I making that clear? Does that make sense? I know we haven't actually gone into who we are yet, so it might be a little bit confusing if you're like, I don't even know who I am, bro. <laughs> but we're getting there. That's in a few weeks, I think. I can't remember. Um, Keenan. Um, there's a question that I hear like, a lot from like, a, an ace as well, but like, if you keep seeing like, say it's going out or whatever you're doing, and you're continually doing it, and you eventually don't have a heart for repentance, you're like, cool, I'm too deep now. You know what I mean? Like, I know God forgives me, but I'm still going to continue to do it. Yeah. Are you, are you typically saved then? Or is the... Yeah. Because you, you just you don't forget it's too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know God loves me, but you're not... You don't have a repentful heart. And you're yeah. Not, you're not acknowledging what Jesus did for you. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, I don't know if anyone's saved, so I'm not going to go, oh, that person's definitely not saved, or they're definitely saved. I don't know. I only know my own heart. I don't know anyone else's heart in this room. So I can't say they are, they aren't. But what I can say is what the Word says... And so I think there's two different people in that scenario. There's one person who is like, who doesn't understand what I'm, what I'm talking about now, right? They don't understand that God has made them righteous and they still think that they're a sinner fighting with their own selves and they keep losing the fight. And they're going out continually after, like week after week in the world and just like sinning, right? That person is, in my understanding, very, very different to the person that I just said who knows exactly who they are, know that they're righteous and that they're a son and all about grace and all the stuff that I'm teaching you, right? And goes out and does it anyway. That, I think, is when the Bible says stuff like, if you continue in sin, like, he is not in you. Like, it's, it's like go read 1 John. Like, it, it's really explicit. I can't remember exactly. Does anyone know exactly what that verse is? If you continue in sin. It's like the, the, yeah, that's, that's Hebrews 10, yeah. 31. Is it? I'm pretty yeah. sure. No, I think it's in both. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, feel, I, feel like I, I feel like I read it yesterday. What, what were you saying, sorry? What was that last bit? It's like, if you can continue in your sin, then no longer remain sacrifice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's, that's Hebrews, uh, yeah, Hebrews 10, yeah. No, there's another one in, 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 in 1 John. And that stuff's there for a reason, right? Um, that stuff, it's true. If you deliberately keep on sinning, Sorry, like, 
but, but there's, a, there's a difference between, like, I don't want to condemn anyone in this room or anyone listening who's like, I keep going out every single week. I don't, I don't think I'm talking to you about that. Like, I think that you're still caught up in this battle that you think that you have within you. But... I'll clarify my question. It's, it's yeah. more sin that you justify because you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of beaches. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm in a relationship and marriage is four years away. Might as well just have... Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You make these human justifications to go, oh, I'm all good for that. God will definitely understand. Yeah. Is that... Because technically that's sin. So if you're not... like Yeah, definitely. Like, if you're not living up to that, my question is, is there no longer a sacrifice for that sin because you've made a human decision to go, this is actually... Oh, God will be sweet with it. Or is God going, sin, sin... You know you should be living above that. There's no justification for any of it. If I could just jump in. Once again, there's still two people there. Um, the first is what you said, oh, you have an excuse and a reason why you're doing it. And that's the lie that you've lived. Um, so, for example, um, someone, like you said, you know, oh, I'm in the world. I'm trying to be a good witness. I, I want to still see my friends. My heart's still in the right place, but I keep struggling. and keep falling into the same sins it, because of a lack of wisdom. And because of a lack of, I believe, uh, like, you have a lie that you're believing and that's what's causing you to keep being in the same position that's compromising again and again because you don't know any better in that situation. You do know better. It, like, in the, you know what the law says, where it says don't do this, yeah. but you don't know why you're doing it. That's the reason. If mm. the conscious decision to do it, uh, despite everything, like literally putting aside the gospel and stepping over, I think is a very different place to be. Mm. Um, and yeah. I, in my life, I've been in both, and it's difficult to explain, but you, you know the feeling mm. when you consciously step over God and say, no, nah, I'm doing this, mm. as opposed to being caught in a compromising situation and not realizing how did this escalate here kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. my heart was in the right place, but things turned bad compared to, everything was going well and I deliberately despite wisdom despite everything actually stepped in the wrong way consciously and I continue to go down that path again and again and I think when it's saying in Hebrews like you'd have to read it because that, that is one verse that there is hope after it even though it says there no longer remains a sacrifice um, because there's nothing else that can save you apart from the blood it's not saying that once you step past the blood that there's no salvation left. It's saying that oftentimes you feel like, you know, I'm a Christian, but let's just say I'm a, addicted to going out and partying. I, I need something to break me free of it. I, I'm a Christian. Apparently that didn't work. What else is there to get me free? Mm. And the answer is the blood. The answer is Christ. And we, when you're looking outside, you've stepped over Jesus and you go, what else is there that will actually fulfill me and, and get me past mm. this? There is nothing. The, what frees you is the blood mm. and that's where you go back to to find freedom not you've stepped it and now you've overstepped and now judgment is all you have left in your life mm. it's just there's nothing left that will actually set you free from it or save you but going back to the blood that makes mm. sense yeah so if you, even if you look at my own life like you've seen my whole life me a few years ago well like I said when I was like caught up in that mindset like God hates me very different person to now right so, but what if now I went out and did all that stuff, right? That's so different. They're, they're like two different people. Mm. Like the, 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 other, the other person was trying to like, like trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like constantly fighting sin and all that sort of stuff. My heart was mostly in the right place and then you get caught up in sin. You think it's part of you and you're just like, oh, I'm so stuck in this. But now like all, like 
See how it's like that once the law comes in and understanding comes in, it actually takes it to a level higher. Well, now you actually got to hold up to this standard. You know what I mean? Now you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's almost like what I'm saying is like worse for you because it's like, oh, <laughs> Nate, funny you didn't tell me that. I could have just kept on being ignorant. But like, you see how there's two different ways of viewing it. And so, yeah, I reckon wherever you're at, whatever you've done, whoever you are, whatever, I don't know, just seek Jesus and just know who you are in Jesus. Just, that's it. Like, I, don't, I, can't, I can't answer the specific detailed questions of every single person and their life. I just don't know because it's so specific to the person and what they've done and where their heart is. You know what I mean? I can't, can't speak to it. But yeah, if I, I would think if I was seeing someone's life and they were, I continually brought them up and I was like, dude, do you understand? Jesus made you holy. Jesus made you righteous. He's cleansed you, bro, from all my... You don't have to speak to this stuff anymore. And he was like, just don't care, bro. I'm just good. It's like that person to me, I don't still don't know the heart, but they're giving me red flags that they're not saved because they just don't care. Like the caring is probably the most important part. Like if you go out and the next day you wake up and you're like, crap, that's so much better than if you wake up going, sweet, what's for breakfast? Okay, we're moving on with life. You know what I mean? Like you just don't care. You're just like, whatever, I don't, I don't care at all. The caring part shows that your heart is still pure. As Even though you're caught up in all this mess, you still want him. And that, to me, that's just like, dude, you are saved. I don't know, <laughs> but I think you're saved. Yeah. It's the thing, it's like, like the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? So you work it out for yourself. You go to God. I read this the other day. I didn't know this was even in the Bible. Jesus says, and they will all be personally taught by God. <laughs> in uh, John 8, I think it is. Um, God will teach you personally. If you're, if you're feeling condemned, like I've done so much stuff that you don't even know. Like I was a Christian then. Da, 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 da. I know all the stuff that goes through people's heads. Most of it's the devil. But you go and, and work it out with Jesus and say, like, God, where am I at? Show me, teach me. And I reckon most people are just like, they just didn't know what they now know. Like they just didn't know that they were righteous and therefore they produce continuous unrighteous fruit. They thought they were a sinner saved by grace and every Sunday they come back and repent and lead youth group on Friday and then go out straight afterwards. And I, 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 yeah, does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. I'll just share some of what um, I've been through and I had a time where I was really struggling with sin and every time I'd be constantly telling myself this, constantly telling myself you're not repenting, you're not repenting and if you were, it would stop yeah, same as me every single time I went to Jesus he told me the same thing so you just don't know who you are mm. <laughs> so you just don't know who you are it's a good word and also what it says in First John chapter 2, the very beginning of it says, and now, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Oh, good word. Jesus Christ. Does everyone know what an advocate is? It's a lawyer. So Jesus takes you on as a client. He's a lawyer. Seriously? <laughs> like, not seriously, you know what I mean. He goes before God and pleads your case for you. Yeah. If you sin. Mm. He's pleading your case. Being like, they didn't know God. They didn't know. And did, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If. <laughs> it does say if. 1 John 2. If you sin. Riley. Yeah, 
well. If with can was it you that asked the question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I reckon if you look at if you if you have that question that's posed to you like often, you gotta look at like the like definitely like the motivation of the heart. Like does that person like really like are they are they really like sort of like man I really I don't want to do this anymore because I know that it's wrong and I don't I I know that's not who I am. Like, it is about knowing who you are, it's the motivation of the heart. But it's also like for any of us, like that still sort of like stumble, fall, trip, whatever, and even people that we don't know, like kicking the excuses in the face. Because so often we come into contact with people that, you know, they say, you know, I know that I, like I know Jesus forgives me and you know, but I did this again and, and but it's okay. Like I'm I'm getting better. I'm I'm getting better. That's awesome, but if they're not true if that the placement of their heart is not seeking God and being like, you know, I know who I am and I want to know more about who I am and who you are, Father, in me and everything. Like, it's, it changes the direction of, of any conversation is knowing the motivation of the heart and kicking excuses in the face because excuses are where lies hide. It's excuses pull people away from God because they're like, oh no, but God will forgive me because, you know, he said he would. It's like, actually, hang on a second. He did, he did, he died for you and you are amazing, you are righteous, you are everything he tells you you are. But really, if you make excuses, it, tell, it indicates, and maybe this is just from my experience, it indicates that their heart really isn't in a place where they want to change. Mm-hmm. And that's what's all about. Do you do, do, they, do you or do they really want it? Do they really want to change that God has transformed our hearts? He continually transforms our hearts in every situation. Like we come into contact with him and, and we're just like, Father, like, forgive me. Like, I'm, there's stuff that I did today that. I'm not. I'm not proud of, and and I and it just doesn't feel like me, because mm. it is it is it is about knowing who you are. Mm. But yeah, it's about awesome. excuse, kicking excuses is a, is a big thing, um, and just knowing the placement of your heart. And if that person is like, no, if they keep coming back to you, you've just got to be like, man, why are you making these excuses? Yeah. Mm. Like, why why are you doing that? Like, if you don't want to do it, what really you don't want to do it, and you just keep making excuses. Mm. And it's about giving that hard truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and hard love because Jesus is all about transformation. I mean, if God did the biggest transformation for every single person. Like He sent His Son to die for us. You know, we were sinners, but now we're not. <laughs> so good. I'd say as well, just the whole motive behind it, remembering that it's not He didn't die for us so that we can get into heaven, but mm-hmm. so that heaven can get into us. Come on. And remembering like what it says in John seventeen three, and this is eternal life that they may know him and Jesus Christ whom they sent. It's not about us getting into heaven one day, it's about us being brought into a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. All right, that's so good. Thanks, guys. Let's just bring it back to what we were saying. This will be the last thing I said. I'm sorry we've gone over time again. It's getting later every single week. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, had some more stuff we're going to say. I'm not going to say it. Not enough time. Um, you guys, you guys feel like you get law? You feel like you get what law was, is, could be in your life? You get what grace was? You found favor in his sight now? You don't have to try and plead, like, please God anymore. Like, you just receive the fact you walk in faith by him and you are pleasing to him. I don't have to try and be okay with him now. I receive the fact that I am okay. You know, like, when you were lost, that's when he came and saved you? Like, you weren't doing anything good at the time. He just did it on his own. No, no one initiated it. No one, like, I've heard people say, he didn't sign a petition and say, God, can you please send your son to come save us? We need help. No one really cared. 
God just sent His Son. He loves you. You're, you're in grace. You're saved. You know what I mean? By faith in Jesus. Um, let me read this last bit. So Romans 6 tells you about your relationship to sin. You are dead to sin and are made alive to Christ. Romans 7 shows you what it was like living under the law and how difficult it was within your own body. Romans 8 is... Go, like guys, go and read Romans 8. Just any one chapter of the Bible that you want to read. Romans 8. You'll spend your whole life in there. People have written books like this thick on just that one chapter. It's insane. Um, I'll just read the first few verses and then we'll just call it a night. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of the translations also say um, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, which I think is actually probably part of the Bible because if you, even if you are in Jesus, if you walk according to the flesh, walk back in the law again, yeah, there's condemnation for you. It's up to you whether you're going to receive the fact that you are made right with him already or you're going to try and prove yourself and get there. Keep reading. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Please highlight this verse. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. <laughs> Who has life and peace? Who wants life and peace? Everyone wants life and peace. Who wants more peace? You can never have too much peace. You can never have too much life, right? So the difference is set your mind on the things of the spirit, not on the flesh. Set your mind on the fact that you have found favor in His sight. You are a son. God has saved you. <laughs> Sin has been destroyed. And you'll have life and peace. No condemnation. No more guilt. No more shame. No feeling crap about yourself. That's it. Peace every single day. Is that something to make more sense about how you can actually live in peace? Because I'm tackling down these lies that keep you out of peace. Like if, you're, if you've got guilt, you don't have peace. If you have any crap feeling about yourself, you don't have peace. But God has gifted you life and peace. And no one can take that from you. But you can let someone take it from you. Agree with the truth. Set your mind on things of the spirit and on things of the flesh. And you will have life and peace. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Um, one more question. Do you want to chat to me personally? Or? No, ask it. Yeah? <laughs> Shivers. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, um, I've always been taught that like what happens behind um, doors, like say intimacy with God, um, will be shown out in the open. So like, um, so your intimacy will be, you'll be able to walk that out um, in the open. So something that always comes into me when, whenever I sin, I freak out because I'm like, uh, is God not, is that going to um, condense how God's going to move when I'm out in the open. So it's like, um, is, like it's affecting my intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. And so, but isn't that a, tr like, so I feel like I'm being, um, 
like a truth is being twisted, but like, uh, but it is a truth. Like, um, sorry. It's okay. I'm really hard to explain. I love your questions, Renee. They're like, so deep. So, um, so that truth of like um, intimacy behind doors, that's and it's shown out in the open. Um, how, um, like, isn't that true though? Like, if you sin, like if you sin, that will affect. Yeah, well, that's definitely true, as in, like, your relationship with God is, is what you bring to the table when you go out into real life, right? Yeah. That's why God would give you so many commands about y you coming to Him, because He knows the best thing you can give to someone else is an authentic relationship with God that you've stewarded and walked with your whole life, right? Yeah. That's definitely true. And it, like, likewise, if you don't have a relationship with God, you can't really bring much to other people yeah. because you don't have the life that He's given you. Yeah. So, but what I want to say is I can't, I, I'm not fully sure I get your question, but I think this is how I would personally deal with that if that same thought happened to me. So let's just say behind closed doors, I messed up, right? And I'm thinking, oh crap, does that mean I'm going to mess up out in the open? Now, this is where you've got to follow the end of that statement. Is it truth or is it a lie? That's what you're trying to figure out. Is it truth? If it's truth, then it's a good thing. I, I want it. That's Jesus. I want it. If it's not, it's going to produce death. And so I think that thought pattern actually produces more death in you than life. Because you sin and mess up and you go, oh crap, not only does this affect me, it's going to affect people outside. I'm not going to be able to get words to people. I'm not going to be able to pray for people. It's going to affect my kids. Da -da 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 -da. Is that life? Is that in Jesus' life? Could you see him doing that? Then it's definitely a lie. You know what I mean? Because he is the truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a true concept, but yeah. it's producing death in you. If you let it. If you agree with it and you go, um, like I said, if you start freaking out and going, oh my gosh, I sinned. Like, that, that's what the devil does, right? He, he tempts you and tempts you and tempts you and tempts you with, your, with a desire. And then if you eventually maybe give in, then he immediately switches to condemnation. Oh, you gave into it. Oh, da, 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 da. So even if, like, it's not just the, the temptation part, it's the after effects too. Like, they're both his playground, so to speak. It's before and after. And you can choose, choose truth in both regards. But I think in that sense, let's say you did sin, you, you were also walking in guilt afterwards, mm -hmm. which you don't have to do that. Yeah, you're released from that. You're released from that. The minute you are feeling sorry for doing it, you're released. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah so, does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, what you, so what you do do behind um, doors, like at home or whatever, or sinning whenever, that does actually affect how God moves in your life. I would say oh. when it comes to the gifts of God, that's a different story. Because the gifts of God are with, are irrevocable or without repentance. Yeah. 
but you will get destroyed the um, the Jews. It says that the gifts of God are still going to move through them, even though they're completely without repentance in the way they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I still know people who move massively in the giftings and are completely unrepentant and have massive sin in their life and have massive issues going on. And they see people healed and see people raised from the dead. Yeah. That's why Jesus would say, many of you, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, but I cast out demons, I heal people and I, whatever. And he goes, I never knew you. Yeah. So you can still walk in power and all these things without an amazing intimacy with God. And the thing is, because God wants to heal that person through you. He loves that person. It doesn't justify what you're doing. It's the worst thing you can do. Someone got healed through me, therefore I must be going right with God. That's the law. <laughs> See, it comes back in. See how subtle it is? You just got to know, I am right with God. I'm always right with God. I'm sweet. He, he loves me and He likes me. <laughs> when He looks at me, He's happy. And He's just going to live like that every single day. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Awesome. I feel like I feel your heart and what you're asking. Yeah. And like, God's never going to expose you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, there's a verse talking about like what you're doing in secret place, what you're doing in the quiet, God will reward in the open. Yeah. Like yeah, you talk about right. that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like reward, it's not exposed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, He's called the Father. Like, so we use the same example of like what Lois was talking about. Like, if like, I have a kid and I'm teaching him how to ride a bike and he falls over. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, Keenan, my stupid kid fell over, what an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to be like, no, it's all good, buddy. Like, get on the bike, I'll hold you. Like, whatever. I'll yeah. father you into, like, being able to ride a bike. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like remember who God is and remember who he sees you for. Yeah. So it's like, ask the question, well, God, does God see me as this worthless sinner that's going to expose me out in the open because there's something that I don't have a revelation on and if I had I would have never ever manifested that in the first place but I did and it's totally not me yeah. like no God's not going to do that yeah. you know what I'm saying he's like no actually Renee like I'm here to father you and yeah like that was you know junk whatever blah 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 but like I can see the purity of your heart and the love in your heart I'm actually here to hold your hand and walk alongside you and father you into truth because yeah. repentance is just grace empowers you to walk out truth yeah. so when we repent we have grace like unveiled onto our life, yeah. which actually empowers us to be able to step into truth. Yeah. And so God fathers us, fathers us into that place. Yeah. He doesn't expose us and like, oh my gosh, Renee, you slipped up. Like, you no longer can you sing good anymore. Like, sorry, you have to <laughs> <laughs> oh, now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If that was the case for me, I would just be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. It, like, can, can we just can we wrap it up there publicly and you guys can continue afterwards yeah, I just don't want people to have to stay too late it's already 9.30 um, 